Radhika Jones, Editor-in-Chief of Vanity Fair. If you enjoy binge-watching the best TV shows and love hearing from the actors and showrunners who make them happen, then subscribe to Vanity Fair. Our Hollywood reporters take you behind the scenes of the year's most anticipated projects, the industry's biggest moves, and the hardest-fought awards races. From The Crown to The Real Housewives, we've got the inside scoop. As a special thank you to our still-watching audience, we're offering 15% off a yearly digital subscription to Vanity Fair. Visit VanityFair.com today and use promo code POD15. That's VanityFair.com, promo code POD15, for 15% off a yearly digital subscription to everything you want. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Vanity Fair. Answer me this, Tony. Please don't do the accent. How many ground troops are y'all prepared to come in? Hello, and welcome to Still Watching, a television podcast from Vanity Fair. I'm Chris Murphy. I'm Richard Lawson. And I'm Hilary Busis. We are here to discuss the sixth episode of season six of the Netflix series The Crown. It is called Ruritania. But I've like, really felt like what, Jenna what? Maroney is saying... Rural juror. <laughs> Sorry. My daughter's name is Ruritania, so thanks, guys. And later, Aaron Vanderhoof is stopping by to talk to us about how those focus groups actually modernized the monarchy and how they were actually really exciting, too. Let's do a recap uh, of the episode. Uh, Queen Elizabeth has a nightmare uh, that King Tony, Blair, that is, has taken the crown, uh, and she decides to then soothe her worries by holding a focus group. Asked if the royal family were out of touch with ordinary people, 69% said yes. Tony Blair's popularity skyrockets. Everything he touches turns to gold. America loves him. And the queen seeks advice on modernizing the monarchy. Think of the Crown as a, as a public limited company and the people of Britain as shareholders, not subjects. I see. Which takes us to an obscure job fair of the royal household. Yeoman of the Glass and China Pantry. Could you tell us what your role involves day by day? It's my job to supervise the glassware and earthenware across all the royal palaces. But when Tony Blair's speech bombs at the Women's Institute, the Queen has a realization. I think I've come to realize there's no such thing as too royal. If you're doing it, do it properly and unapologetically. Well, from the uh, tedium of teenage William being adored the world over, we, we finally got an exciting episode <laughs> all about Tony Blair. Uh, with word-for-word word recreations of Tony Blair speeches. Yeah. God, oh. Wouldn't you recreate them if you had the chance? Right. <laughs> if you had the platform? It was, it was really funny and enlightening, too, because my sort of conception of Tony Blair is like, Iraq war asshole, like, you know, like kind of loathed yeah. later later in his career. But to see this period where he really was like 
a big deal. And um, and that song... Tony, Tony it, Mania, they called it. Tony, <laughs> <laughs> catchy name. Um, this, so the Queen has the dream, right, where he's being mm-hmm. crowned. The song our producer told us is a big uh, was a big labor kind of anthem. They co-opted a pop song by Dream. And made it their big sort of you know rallying right, song. So like the the equivalent of the Clintons doing "Don't Stop Thinking About Tomorrow." Correct. Right. The UK and the US often mirror each other. You know, we have despotic fascists. They have a despotic fascist. <laughs> we have great New Hope blue dog Democrats who turn out to be kind of like. Neolib yeah. shills, but yeah. Moderate. Who did it first? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Who welcome, better? To, welcome to this episode of Chapo Trap House. <laughs> do we feel that this was an episode that they had to do? Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like this Wikipedia page of an episode happened because we have to revisit the queen at some point, I yeah. guess, Yeah. because it's called the crown and she's the one who wears the crown. And this was our only way. I will be shocked and I'll say appalled if we have another episode <laughs> that centers on the queen this season because I feel like we got it. We've told her story. There's not much left really there that is. Mm-hmm. She's going to be alive for another 20 years. Well, I don't need to see every episode of that. <laughs> but but yeah, she's going to be alive for a while. I feel like we touched on her because we needed to revisit the queen again. It happened to be quite boring to me. I mean, yeah, the, the Queen Blair clash is not as interesting as the Diana royal family clash. Or Will and his and, father yeah, clashing. And, and they've got similar kind of vibes, which is like modernism versus traditionalism. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, as as the episode may have hammered home a couple of times. <laughs> no, um, yeah. you don't say. They I mean, really laid it on thick. Yeah, Peter Morgan seems to have a special affinity for Tony Blair also, which is, I think, probably why he felt like he had to. He has written not one, not two, but three movies wow. about Tony Blair. He might um, just have a type because Prince Charles, Tony Blair, there's, a, there's, a, there's, there's something going on there's there. There's something there, yeah. <laughs> type of guy that he likes. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that we did probably need some policy episodes, like you know, or one policy episode this season that has been a hallmark of the show in the past, dealing with political issues. Reminding us know. that the royal family actually have some sort of governmental role, right. kind of. Exactly, yeah, too much, exactly. Me. <laughs> but, like, I think that this push and pull between modernity and, you know, tradition and all that stuff has been better laid out in previous episodes. I also think maybe inadvertently the show is reducing the crown and its members, like the the, 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 the royalty, to just these weird, petty people obsessed with image above everything else. Mm-hmm. Who, how are we polling? What are mm-hmm. I, and I get, maybe that's intentional to show that that's really what they were reduced to, is people scrambling to justify themselves, you know? But it's not terribly compelling as television, no. yes. I guess. Yeah. Dramatically, narratively. Yeah. I mean, it, it is funny, though, to get the project of at least this season and maybe the entire series laid so bare when the queen just literally comes out and says, like, tradition is good. Mm-hmm. It's important to, like form a national identity around like I understand that it's silly to have a man whose entire job is like watching of the swan is watching the glassware and folding our napkins Put some respect mm-hmm. on their names um, mm-hmm. however we've gone through this list like person by person and determined that they are all completely essential to the project of the monarchy mm-hmm. and the monarchy cannot change and it will not change the end goodbye I, yeah. I think the, yeah, even that was- that was arc. very clear. That was the arc yeah. of the whole episode, and that was clear that it's like, okay, tradition is important. But then the thing that was like a little insidious and a little bit interesting, I'll say, and a little bit like, ooh, like, if, is this how you feel? It's like, we're better than everybody. We need mm-hmm. to elevate. We elevate everyone. Everyone comes to us. It was very like, oh, we yeah, come like to this people, place for people, magic. Yeah, people want magic and mystery. Right. When they brush up against us, they want the magic and the mystery. 
and the arcane and the eccentric and the symbolic and the transcendent. They want to feel like they've entered another world. That is our duty, to lift people up and transport them into another realm, not bring them down to earth and remind them of what they already have. Hearing that didn't make you want to stand up and salute? No, it, really, it did not transport me in the way that Nicole Kimmons' AMC ad transported me <laughs> when she said the same thing about AMC. No, it really scared me that that's way, the way that they viewed themselves and their justification for taking notes. It's interesting. The queen is like taking notes all episode, but she's not going to take – the queen isn't going to take a note. She's mm-hmm. not going to cut her bed – Wagoner person, <laughs> bed yeoman, because right. Tony Blair tells her to cut the bed yeoman. And I think the justification, which in a pretty sort of dull episode, that little, whoa, we're special and mm-hmm. we should be treated as such. That was kind of interesting to well, me. Well, and according to the show, yeah. that's a good thing. Like yeah, the, and show, that's, yeah. the show agrees with The show them. agrees with that. And the show is like, that's actually, that's the thesis statement of the here. episode. And that is true. And that's like... I don't know if I feel that way. Yeah. I mean, so she does this focus group, right? And 69% of the 2,000 subjects polled said that the crown was out of touch with people. And then at the end of the episode, they say, good, they should be. We like that. (laughs) Similar to what you said last episode, I would have liked if there was just an episode of the focus group. Like, that could have been interesting to see. Oh, yeah, kind of like a bottle Mm -hmm. episode or a play. Sorry, forgive me, Catherine. I don't (laughs) probably not use that term. A standalone episode. A standalone episode. episode. Yeah, because I think that in the same way that it, it was interesting once in a very rare while to see people outside of the Roy family react to these people. Mm-hmm. I, I would like a little bit of like, here's a regular English person and what do they make of all this, you know, because we're so cloistered. In, I know that's partly the point, but like this episode of them just like fuddy-duddying around about like <laughs> their little the, weird the, the stuff. The queen's herb strewer. <laughs> yeah, it just was like a little bit, I don't know, I felt a little bit sort of Smothered by it, I guess, in a way. Not to say that you know Imelda Sonnen's great. She is, but it also, you know, it's a there's a there's a protesting too much aspect to it too, which is like yeah. if the royals, if the magic and all of this, like actually is so important, like why does it have to keep defending itself? Yeah, why right. do we? Why do I not feel it? It's not Disneyland. I'm not. <laughs> well, it's the way that like re, like like hard right, you know, conservative politicians in the U.S. will or like news people will constantly refer to what the American people want, and you're like, but the American people like do vote for progressive things. It's the same thing with this where it's like, no, like people want the mystery. Which people? Yeah. Who are you? Show me the, oh, okay, who <laughs> who are under the age of 70. Yeah. You know? And people the majority who, think that you're a waste of their money. Right, yeah. right, exactly. And don't understand what your function is. And yeah, people who don't directly work for you and want to keep them there. <laughs> yeah, of course, like, you know, the warden of the swans is going to talk about how much the swans matter. Yeah. And you know what that job pays? I mean, come on. You know, you know, that's, a cush, that's a cushy role. I will say, okay, so again, to be fair to Peter Morgan, he does provide sort of the the other side of it mm-hmm. with really with Tony Blair's wife when she's like yeah. going off on the crown. And I mean, this line did get me that when she's like, It's an anachronistic, unrepresentative feudal system based on a thousand years of hereditary privilege. Ooh, I was like, that, yeah. that's a really good way to put it, actually. <laughs> Yeah. And the show did genuinely seem, the writing did seem genuinely ambivalent. Like, I feel like Mm -hmm. it was like, it wasn't painting Tony Blair's wife as like wrong or strident or like too. Some kind of crazy radical. Yeah, Exactly. It was like, that's fair. You know. A viewpoint that clearly a lot of people in Britain share. And it's ambivalent until the last scene where Tony Blair woofs it at the Women's Institute. Well, he, you know, absolutely swings and misses there. And then the queen gets to sit in her little green outfit and be like, well, 
I'm special and you're yeah. not. Yeah. I know how to do well, that. Well, and being you know. like, yeah, not everything is about politics, which is... Fair. Yeah, I guess if you're talking about electoral politics, although one could argue, I suppose, everything is about politics mm-hmm. all the time, which is not really a track that this show is necessarily taking, but... Mm-hmm. But it so clearly aligned itself with the Queen and the Royals in, like, ending with Tony, you know, on a low and coming back to the Queen, being like, oh, you messed up at this event where I killed it, and I'm better than you, and guys, always will be. Do you feel mm-hmm. like this episode gave, like, a good impression of Blair's personality, more as, or was he just kind of a... And not an antagonist even necessarily as like an opposing force. Like, do you think that you got a sense of him as a guy, as a politician? Uh, Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's hard to look through to kind of peer through the scrim of like Peter Morgan's affection for him. Mm -hmm. I mean, the way he's talked about I mean, he has the queen saying like you're you have like, you know, famously excellent instincts and all, you know, Mm -hmm. like complimenting his political prowess. And with the, you know, the benefit of hindsight now, we can be like, well, no, he made some huge colossal, colossal Not until 2003, but. Right, right. It was a few years away. And look, look, the bombing in Kosovo, that's also still a matter of some, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, controversy from various sides of that conflict. Although the show doesn't seem like it's trying to like gotcha him. It's not, it's not using that as like foreshadowing of irony. It's like, no, you actually are this like incredible politician with these once in a generation instincts and yeah there's there's not really any kind of extra gloss on that mm-hmm. yeah I mean I think I think in tr- speaking to the necessity of this episode Tony Blair was such a huge like phenomenon kind of like a cultural political force that you couldn't really not do something about him yes yeah. Morgan has done a lot with him in the past but like he needed to really get some kind of episode here I almost wish that they had waited till it was like 9-11 reaction time mm-hmm. and Iraq war time but I guess that doesn't have as much to do with the queen or the royals well, she did, she did 9 11. Yeah. Didn't you know that? Didn't you? Yeah, they don't tell yeah. you that, but that's true. Oh it's true. My <laughs> God, it all finally falls together, the pieces. Yeah, she was, she was mad at the corgis and decided yeah. to. God, if I see one more shot of her throwing a ball to some corgis. <laughs> well, I love in this episode. God. She's like, go get it. She throws something, the dog runs after it, and then she turns to like do the rest of the scene, and the dog is just fully gone. But it's like not, <laughs> never like, it's just back. disappeared. It's just, it like, ran away. She's yeah. got to 16 others, yeah. so yeah. it doesn't really matter. Yeah. God, yeah, I mean, this episode of how the queen got a groove back was uh, her relationship with Tony kind of interesting, but not, not enough to sustain. Like, why didn't we cut to... Camilla or the kids or like to have a full episode. That's true. It was very focused on her and him. Her and him, which I don't know how much gas there was there. And it just especially because we just went through this with Diana. Mm-hmm. That person's popular, but I'm the queen. Why am I not more popular? Everybody should love me. Like we've done that. We've done that with the queen. We've done that with Charles. It just start, it just starts to feel a little bit like isn't there something to be said about the Blair Elizabeth relationship? that isn't that particular dynamic. Yeah. I, maybe there isn't. I don't know. And I don't know how often or, like, uh, the queen, like, weigh into, like, the national or the international, you know, politics of it all. But, like, I feel like it sort of glossed over, like, any sort of response she had to, like, the, you know, the war in Kosovo. Like, it wasn't mm-hmm. really a, about, like, the royal family's relationship to international events beyond being like, I can name the president of Malawi and mm-hmm. and things mm-hmm. like that. I That's sort of interesting. Like, of course, Tony Blair is sort of taking up air. He's 
speaking to actual events that are happening in the world right now. Because he's the actual prime minister he's the with, actual, actual with actual political, power, political yeah. power and whatnot. And you're sitting on your throne uh, telling little jokes to biddies in you're the northern like, England. You're like two minutes away from storming the Bastille. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I think that is the political aspect of the Queen's, I think that could be explored, but maybe it shouldn't be more explored because she didn't really do that. I don't I don't really know the Queen's thoughts on international affairs. Yeah, I don't know. I think back to 9-11, I don't, I don't have any idea what she said yeah. or did, yeah. if no. she said or did anything. No. I no yeah. I mean, I think I remember what John Stewart said and did. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that like I guess it's my understanding, maybe one of you told me this, but like that William and Kate are very popular in the UK, but I think that's only out of people who like the royals. Yeah. <laughs> you know, who like the monarchy. Mm-hmm. Well, their wedding but was a huge deal. Enormous, I up for that. enormous deal. But like you kind of also wonder, was that enormous because they made it like that? They made it a spectacle. They blocked off streets, they allocated mm-hmm. funds, you know, whatever whatever it was. Like but this something about the tilt into like the new millennium all that, this really is where this entire institution starts to, I don't know, look increasingly untenable. Mm -hmm. And so in that regard, like using Blair as the sort of catalyst for Elizabeth realizing she has an image problem and then doubling down on the tradition, like that's interesting because this is going to plague this family for the rest of their time on earth and and the rest of the institution's existence. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I'm of the belief that we could see the end of this in our lifetimes. Oh, you know. It seems entirely possible, or if not an entire, like, sweeping them out kind of thing, then certainly a reduction in some right. massive way. Well, they keep talking in this yeah. episode about what, what if you did it more like the, the Dutch do yeah. or the Swedish do, where they really are not, they're very just, like, s- symbolic, and they're not, you know, taking money from taxpayers or whatever. And appointing the prime minister. When I heard that, I was like, what? Yeah. I guess well, like, te- not te- 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 technically, I know, yeah, but it's just yeah. like, I was like, yeah. that's so antiquated. But then they do the Prince Philip always there to defend the queen being like, well, the queen is rejected three times before yeah. she comes to the House of Commons because it shows that if you overstep, then your head will be cut off. Yeah, this does make me wonder how the monarchy already has changed like since Charles took over. I, I don't actually mm-hmm. know the answer. Well, because the show positions him as something of the great reformer. Right. He's more forward-minded. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I you know who knows but like what was it what is it the um we see, we see sort of an example of it in this episode like what do they call it the the firm mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. sort of like infrastructure surrounding the royal family that, that and it's it often implied that they're the ones who are sort of ruthlessly preserving this for mm-hmm. their you know mm-hmm. and i think we see that with her advisors a little bit the big emotional climax of the episode which i i'm sorry I wasn't moved was when Robert, her chief of staff, is like, I'm actually going to step down and sacrifice myself mm-hmm. to make it seem like there's change that's happening within here and you'll get a better advisor and I'll get to play more cricket and the queen has moved and I was mostly asleep. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think that's part of the fir- sort of like, yeah. you know, we change in the firm. I, w- I wish we had known more, more about him and kind of understood more why this would have been a big deal for Elizabeth specifically. I don't know mm-hmm. if they really, if there was, there was so much time spent just watching Tony Blair ask for aid to Kosovo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, ground <laughs> troops. Put him on the ground. Doing absolutely... Awful Clinton impressions, yeah. both of them, <laughs> husband and wife. That was. And she's like, mine's better. It's like, no, it's not. Okay. It, <laughs> Back to the Wikipedia of it all. I didn't know the Clintons were there when George Bush was elected. That's kind of fun. That's wild, yeah. That's kind of wild that yeah. they were on, on their farewell. There were a lot of like little things like that that were like, ooh, if I read that in a history book, I'd be like, I'd fun be like, fact, yeah. I'd underline it, but I don't need to see it play out on my screen. Or like, let's get the Clintons. Let's call up Clive Owen and get 
Edie Falco and let's I get mean, the Clintons in there. I would have, I would have thrilled to that. There was a Jackie and uh, John Kennedy yeah. episode. Like, uh, why not? Why I not? was making myself laugh watching this episode, remembering. I was going to say to you guys, remember when Jackie O was on? Jackie Kennedy was on the ground <laughs> for like a whole episode. <laughs> Got to go back to that. That was before my time. Oh, but I would. It's a weird like one-off episode. Yeah, I would have loved loved to see them. Yeah. And that was also like, oh, these these guys are so like young and popular and cool, and I'm this like old fuddy-duddy. Like that yep. is just a recurring. It's, and that was in like season three. That's a long oh, time ago. I think ago. it was even more. Even season two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she's already like queen. Six, yeah, but she's still Claire Foy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, so the early sixties. Yeah, and she feels like the unglamorous fuddy duddy compared mm-hmm. to Jackie Kennedy. With, you know, so <laughs> anyway, sense. yeah, this is a recurring theme on the show. On the show, and obviously, look for good reason. I mean, <laughs> like you had one queen who was in the role for seventy something years, and I think there was a sort of sentiment. In among people in the UK, that was like, okay, can we just be done when she's done, though? Mm-hmm. You know, like we'll we'll let her live it out for the rest of her time, and, and then, then like we're we're not going to care about someone new. Yeah. Wrap yeah. it up, wrap yeah. it up. I will say uh, something that I did enjoy about this episode: we got a little bit of Princess Margaret, we got a little bit, yeah. of, you know, having the whole family get together and be crazy together yeah. was kind we, of. We fun. have to assume that there's a bigger Margaret. I mean, you don't you don't put Leslie Manville in that role and not give her a showcase. No, I'm afraid right? that her showcase um, was last season. I'm I I'm, I would have to assume there is another Margaret um, episode coming, but I would love more all of them in a room, you know, doing August Osage County. You <laughs> yeah, know, like oh, that, totally. that's because it, it, it is fun to even Eat just the get fish, the Queen Mom right, exactly <laughs> to get that stage picture of like oh Margaret sitting by the window and there's Charles and you know it's just like right here they all are together oh and wait was that Prince Andrew what's up with him yes what's he doing in no, the early that 2000s was, that, that, that briefly was, was Prince Andrew mm-hmm. they have very studiously kept him they out are of keeping this world. him in the shadows because yeah. Anne gets a little to do mm-hmm. you know especially mm-hmm. this season but yeah Andrew it's like like I don't think they're going to do gonna much with him pretend like yeah. he's not there but, but then, so but then why bother any, giving be, him a line in this you yeah. know I don't know so I guess we'll never see Beatrice or Fergie or you know any I don't think any of that any of that well because the Fergie stuff was would have already happened would have already had that was more yeah. mid 90s I think mm-hmm. yeah. right touched upon it briefly I mean if we, if we still if we see William and Kate's wedding we gotta see those hats those fascinators that's true yeah yeah and I'm assuming that wedding will that be the end of it I mean Charles and Camilla's wedding could also be the last thing we see that would be more fitting for this show yeah mm-hmm. that adds yeah. that closes an arc yeah in a way because if they go up to the queen's death they can't just skate over Harry and Meghan no no, no they well they're to gonna that. end before Meghan yeah. I think Peter yeah. Morgan has said that yeah no, we shouldn't he's not expect tackling Meghan. <laughs> well because that would make the show actually confronts some truths about this family. Yeah, that they, that they have, skirt around. Yeah, I mean, well, Prince, either that or they blame the entire thing on Meghan, which is more something likely that they could do. Yeah. They would never blame a woman on this show. <laughs> <laughs> a person of color? Are you crazy? Yeah, no, come on. Uh, it would be fun if Meghan played Meghan, though. <laughs> she has a Netflix deal, <laughs> role, you know? The role of a lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> Crazier things have happened. It would be funny if the episode opens with her shooting an episode of Suits. So they get the Suits cast, which is now a hit on Netflix. <laughs> yeah. like now that's synergy. synergy. Yeah. yeah. Can you tell we don't have a ton to say about this particular <laughs> episode? We're talking about Suits. <laughs> we could just talk entirely about we're Suits. We're doing our instead. best. I just hope we're done. Even though the, the narrative of the, of the Crown's relevance continues to this day in real life, I think for the purposes of this show, we get it. We've covered it. This episode ends with her saying, ah, bully to all that. I'm just going to be my crazy old self anyway. You know, like, okay, done. We've We're, done it. We've yeah, let's concluded move on. the question of whether the crown should exist. Yeah, we know We know what the show thinks. Now, yeah. like, give us a character. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We've got, what, four episodes left? Seven, eight, nine, ten? Yeah. yeah. We don't have any more space for this conversation. No, we got we got to get Margaret in there. We got to get a Harry episode. Mm-hmm. We got to get a wedding I, of I some I got to get Kate. Yeah. I got to yeah. meet Kate. I'm excited. <laughs> it's coming. Yeah. It's coming. 
I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You can earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. So the start of this episode was all about the focus groups. Uh, we're going to have to phone a friend to uh, help explain why these were so important uh, because we, the three of us aren't really feeling it. <laughs> but you know what? We had the perfect person to talk to. Yes, we roped we in Erin Vanderhoof. She's Vanity Fair's Royal Watcher and co-host of our Dynasty podcast. So welcome, Erin. Hello. So Erin, um, thanks for being here. Uh, I, I'm particularly grateful because the three of us have had a hard time trying to find the excitement in this whole <laughs> focus group plot line. So I, I think that you are going to come bearing actual facts. Um, why were these a big deal? Why was this kind of this era for the monarchy such a one, one, worth covering on the crown? I think that to me, this episode was just very clearly. I think Peter Morgan has said before that he was a, like a not particularly p- political labor voter. Mm-hmm. And I think in this case, he is maybe a little too enamored with like the Tony Blair mythology. Mm-hmm. And so he's using it. The focus groups happen at the time, but I think that it's pretty like what I think this episode really doesn't get quite right is that they happened immediately in the aftermath of Diana's death. It was part of a larger strategy that had been going on for about 15 years of, okay, like nothing at this place has changed since 1917. Like maybe we should do something different. Mm. And what those focus groups are really supposed to do is figure out what do people want to see in a monarchy? Like, what are the things that they like about the system as it exists right now? What are the things that the people think should be better? And, you know, I was uh, went back to Sally Waddell Smith has this amazing 2012 book about Queen Elizabeth where she actually just lists all of the different attributes that the focus group kind of came up with. It didn't come up with like, oh, we need to change. We have to do that. It just kind of said the things that they do like already and the things that they thought they needed to work on. So... It wasn't a huge deal, but one of the things that they did find is that support for the monarchy is, like, relatively constant over generations, decades, like, regardless of, like, the ups and downs of the headlines. So I feel like it wasn't really used for that purpose in the episode, but... What did they find that was negative? Like, what what were the worst findings? Oh, just that young people thought that the family was out of touch. Yeah. Heard that on the crown before. Yeah, myopic, <laughs> myopic and out of touch, which okay. okay, so they don't see the beauty of the Queen's herb strewer in the same way. <laughs> the yeoman of the bedchamber. Yeah. Well, once again, that's one of those things that actually had started to change about a decade previous is that really what happened, Tony Blair did wind up cutting the family's budget pretty significantly, but that's partially because Margaret Thatcher had given them a bit too much. They had invested Mm. it, and they came out of 1999 with a $40 million pound rainy day fund. So then Tony Blair cut the budget. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, speaking of Tony Blair, he is a large focus of this episode. He's obviously like a kind of a pet 
uh, favorite topic for Peter Morgan. Um, tell us about the relationship between the Queen and Tony Blair in real life. Yeah, they had an actually like a pretty cordial relationship. Tony Blair has given a bunch of interviews about the Queen, but is always very, very, very specific to never sort of like let slip what they actually talked about. But he is always saying, you know, that when they first met, she was did a good job of simultaneously reminding him who had the seniority in the relationship while also making him feel at ease. And so I feel like that's one of those things that I think I struggle with with Imelda Staunton is that I, I feel like there is the in all of the reporting I've ever done, people always say, like, the queen laughs a lot. She's really wry. She's really silly. And, you know, that's something I don't get. You're not getting that from Imelda's I'm not. I'm not getting it. From Dolores Umbridge? Yeah. Yeah. You're not getting it silly for for a queen? (laughs) I feel like the dream, uh, back to the queen and Tony Blair, you know, they definitely had disagreements. And Cherie Blair, Tony's wife, was actually a pretty ardent, you know, small-R Republican and was not a fan of the monarchy. So I did kind of like that they added in that. But in general, I think Tony Blair was— you know, he's like he's like such a complicated figure in modern British history because on the one hand, like he was very, very, very popular and successful at the things that he set out to do, sort of like modernizing the image of the Labour Party and like making sure that people realized that, you know, it wasn't just conservatives who could have like fiscal responsibility. But on the other hand, I think that he is, you know, he had to step down because of you know, unpopularity related to the Iraq war. And I think that in this episode, you do kind of get that twin nature of his legacy. But I think that it's it's harder to tell what the queen kind of would, you know, it's hard to tell what she would have thought about each one of those individual things. But one thing that I do think is that the episode captures well, but with a little twist is uh, that Tony Blair really did go to the Women's Institute and just bomb. Oh, really? I've got, I've so got, a, we've got real hard. Yeah, June seventh, two thousand, in the Guardian, we've got heckle jeered booed. Blair bombs at the Women's Institute. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. What exactly is the Women's Institute? Uh, so, <laughs> I so, honestly know we know what that is, but if somebody it, didn't know what that no, was. if you were talking to say a moron, what would you tell them? <laughs> yeah. So it's it's you know it's kind of funny. We we in the U.S. used to have a lot more clubs like this, but it's like a local clubs composed of women. You usually middle-aged to elderly that get together for, you know, meetings and, like, community service projects and, you know, just as, like, kind of a social club or organization. One of the things that they really don't like is party politics. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't that Blair went up and said, like, ah, it's, you know, I want to do radical things. I want change. I want newness. They just don't want to talk about politics at all. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. What it was is that he he had apparently just come back from taking some time off from paternity leave, and he started out by kind of talking about his family. And the gloss that a lot of reporters put on it is, like, the purpose of this was to establish, like, labor can be into traditional family values, too. Mm -hmm. But then Tony Blair starts talking about egalitarianism and then starts talking about all of the things that his government has done to promote opportunity and Mm -hmm. equality and, like, inclusivity. And But those are, like, specific, you know, policy portion. So that's Mm -hmm. the things that then get the Women Institute really mad. I think what rings really true about that in the episode to me is that the Queen was so good at... She is the quintessential, like, British grandma. So when she's in a room full of British grandmas, she's good at giving that. Target audience. Yeah, and that, that she's good at giving people what they want at any moment in time. And I... 
think that clearly Tony Blair is a person who is, you know, a politician. One thing that, you know, we I was sort of taken aback by in this episode is this kind of concluding thing. I mean, maybe I'm reading it just one particular way, but like where the queen's like, oh, you know what? Actually, the old traditions are good, in fact, you know, and because Tony Blair biffed it at this speech, like it proves, you know, that that actually we don't need to get rid of the, the swan guy or yeah. whatever. And nothing has to change yeah. ever at the end. Do and, you think yeah. that the crown, I mean, this may be a dumb question. Is the crown like a royalist show? Oh, it's a great question. I mean, so even Peter Morgan has said that he kind of came into this with that sort of, you know, not very political, but soft labor voter attitude that like, oh, the queen is such a cute grandma, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's weird to have a monarchy in the 21st century. And he said that working on the show kind of made him change his mind and like actually come to actually believe that the the royals are doing some okay. good things for the nation. And, you know, I think that that's like a pretty common experience for anybody looking at that because, you know, you, you have affection for them. But I do, I think that what, this is maybe where as much as I think that in the last season, Imelda Staunton was really working for me as the queen in her, you know, having a bad year where she was working less for me here is just that increasingly, the way that the queen would push boundaries of like what was allowed and what wasn't is through humor, is through being really ingratiating. You know, I, I always think of the hilarious 2012 video where she and Daniel Craig are like oh, yeah. doing a James Bond thing for the London Olympics. The Olympics yeah. That, right. you yeah. know, that's clearly violating a couple of old rules about propriety, but they made sense for her. They helped her kind of become that pop culture icon, that unifying figure. And so I think that that she was always the type of person who, in service of the crown has to change to be relevant to people, we have to do things. So, I mean, clearly, I think, you know, even you think about reading Spare, like, near the end of her life, I think that she really did kind of keep to a lot of traditions, but she was clearly pretty wry about them. Mm -hmm. I think that the moment Mm -hmm. I always think of is, like, Harry goes out to ask his grand. He says he went out to ask his grandmother permission to marry Meghan. And he's nervous and he's like, oh, I have to ask you permission to do this. And she's like, oh, do you? Well, I suppose I have to say yes. <laughs> That's right. So I guess maybe like one final question. What is the general attitude toward the royal family now? Have there been more focus groups since in the last 25 years? What? Where does it all stand today? So many focus groups, so many. It's one of the most frequently polled questions, you know, like one of the the bookmark tabs on my com- on my computer is like the quarterly tracker of popularity just because wow. it is kind of fun to look at. Mm. Has but their popularity declined? A little bit, mm-hmm. but not much. Like even, you know, over the last year, we've had tons of news about Harry and Meghan and Will and Kate and Charles and his behavior and all of that. Uh, Over the last year, everybody took a slight hit in popularity. Charles is actually kind of just back to where he was, like, (laughs) around the time the Queen died. Nowadays, two-thirds of Britain still says that the monarchy makes Britain a better place and that they don't see themselves going for a republic. The one thing that is actually different, though, is unprecedented numbers of young people— say that they don't really see the purpose of the monarchy. And in the past, young people have always said, okay, like, we don't like the monarchy. But then as they get older, those opinions turn to change. What they're saying is that now, like, levels of Gen Z and, you know, people who are now turning 18 
they disapprove of the monarchy at, like, rates that are just way more than even millennials when we were in that position. And mm-hmm. so that's the one—like, once again, reaching out to young people, reaching out to the fact that—or, like, responding to the fact that Britain is way more multicultural, just like it was 26 years ago, is still, like, the main concern that they all have. So the Harry Meghan stuff and the way that the family was—you know, did not behave well towards Meghan Markle, at least from what I've read, that didn't—because that, that, to me felt kind of fatal— to the family. Well, but. everybody, every single individual person's popularity took a hit. Harry's yeah. did and Meghan's. In Britain, they're super unpopular. They Because have, they left? I mean, it started, their their popularity started going down around the time that they left and uh-huh. then over the last few years. I mean, it's like, I think that, that Meghan is like, Meghan and Harry are both like still in the papers every day even though they don't right. do anything. So, right. you know. Right. But Will and Kate, Charles, Camilla, everyone's popularity took a hit um, after the Netflix show, after the biography, after Spare. But it's, you know, they just kind of go float back up. And even so, like, the idea of a monarchy is way less affected by even those scandals than you would think. Wow. All right. Well, I think I, I, I care about the focus groups now. <laughs> so, so, so job were, well done. If I were to yeah. pull you, Richard, and say, do you think the focus groups are a good way to <laughs> I, determine well, the future of the monarchy? Yes, I, I'm favorable, I guess. But All yeah, right, put it in your notebook, Eric. <laughs> Still watching, we'll be back in just a moment. And when we return, a trip down memory lane as we see what gems make our time capsule. Hi, I'm Michael Calori, the co-host of Wired's Gadget Lab. And I'm Lauren Good, the other co-host of Wired's Gadget Lab. Get ready to dive deep into the cultural phenomenon that's been shaping conversations, sparking movements, and breaking barriers for over a decade. The new three-part docuseries, Black Twitter, A People's History, based on the groundbreaking Wired cover story by Jason Parham, explores everything from the fun, games, and inside jokes that characterize the early years of Black Twitter, to the social movements, the voices, and the hashtags that made Black Twitter an influential force in nearly every aspect of American political culture. Join us as we unravel the threads of this digital community, tracing its origins, celebrating its triumphs, and exploring its impact on society at large. Watch the series from Onyx Collective in association with Wired Studios, premiering on Hulu on May 9th. So I don't know if you noticed, but we're in the 2000s now. The crown has gotten to the 2000s, but, you know, we're in the future now, and yet we can also be nostalgic. (laughs) So let's look back uh, into the time capsule. And what grabbed you guys from this sort of, like, Y2K era of this episode? Yeah, I guess it would have to be the Clintons, just the the invocation of that election, because that's one of the first— political events that I remember. I, I was in the third grade. Like, this is, like, what was, mm-hmm. you know, my parents were talking about it on the dinner table how terrible, how, you know, democracy mm-hmm. was ending, um, which would happen. How democracy was ending because Al Gore kept contesting the <laughs> yeah. election. <laughs> yes, they love George Bush. Should I have <laughs> no, it's sort of the opposite. Um, but that sort of brought me back to being like, oh, I could actually finally place myself in terms of, oh, when this was happening, I was this age in this place in my life. And, like, you know, dressing up as Harry Potter for Halloween. Yeah, no, I I remember the intensity of that season very, very well also because I was 12 and Mm -hmm. it was like Bill Clinton, as far as I was concerned, had always been the president for like my entire life. Yeah, was the president, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, then suddenly everything just went all crazy. Hanging Chad. Chad's, Chad's a hanging Chad. I knew what that was when I was, you know. You know what I don't watch this show for? 
horrifying reminders of U.S. politics. Keep, <laughs> keep this shit out of the crown. I don't want to see George W. Bush on the crown. Come on, guys. You don't want to see him and Tony Blair, like, uh, planning the invasion of Iraq <laughs> yeah. together? That, well, sort of that, that, that I agree. Twirling their mustache? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in the, the dream that the Queen has at the beginning of the episode, mm-hmm. uh, our producer, Emily, thinks there's kind of a Ginger Spice lookalike. Like, mm. maybe maybe somehow Ginger Spice had gotten its way into the Queen's consciousness enough for her to dream about her. <laughs> uh, Ginger, Jerry, uh, Jerry Horner in real life is a big Tory, so mm. it wouldn't make that much sense that she'd be yeah. in Tony... At Tony Blair's coronation, but like, but the Queen might not know that in yeah. 2000. Maybe he was so beloved in the Queen's mind that he right. got yeah, know, well, Ginger at, Spice to come at, on the at, other at side. At this point, she had left the Spice Girls. Hmm? Is that right? It's the year 2000, yeah. Oh my God. She left like right after Spice World. Ugh, one of my favorite. Oh, movies. I guess, yeah, the first Spice Girl, Spice Girl song was like 96 or something, right? So they had, they had been around for a few it's years. Been a while. It's, it's longer yeah. than you think, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think the, the nostalgia or in this episode or the, or the time capsule stuff actually was mostly bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it was not. Uh, well, good. either that or I, I think it's probably you're going to feel it more if you were in Britain or yeah. knew a lot about Britain in this time period because there's not there's not a ton of pop culture kind of stuff since it's so focused it's so on, political. you know, the, the Queen's pillow fluffer or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the sticks, the gold stick and the silver stick <laughs> in waiting. That's what the time capsule yeah, so was. It's, it's back it's, a time capsule to 1500. Exactly. <laughs> it's the year 2000, but actually it's 1500. It's actually a lion in winter. <laughs> Well, that does it for this episode of Still Watching. As ever, you can find me on social media apps like X and Instagram at Rylaws, R-I-L-A-W-S. You can find me on those same apps at Chris Triss. And you can find me at Tony Blair Lover 15151. <laughs> oh, that's your screen name. It is, yeah. Oh my God, if from only. From AOL, AIM. <laughs> okay, actually though, it's Halo Buster. What's yours? This has been Still Watching from Vanity Fair. Our producer is Emily Elias, and we had production help from Peyton Hayes. We had technical assistance from Jake Loomis. Stephen Valentino is our executive producer, and our theme music is by Alexis Quadrado. Stick around. Next up in the feed is Episode 7. We'll see you there. The Run for Revoke is where you'll meet all the most exciting people in fashion and culture. I am Fran Libowitz. Um, who should be the mayor of New York? We all support yeah. that. We support that. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Nikki. Yes. It's been really great she being in this beautiful pink room. All right, Asher, can you hear us? I can hear you. All right. Can you hear me? We can. We can. All right, here we are. <laughs> On the podcast, you'll learn how Vogue really works. Sometimes we'll come in for a second or even third run through until we are AWOK. Can you tell us what AWOK means? It means um, A-W-O-K and a winter OK. I'm Cho Minardi. And I'm Chloe Mal. And we're the hosts of The Run Through with Vogue, where fashion and culture collide. Join us. It's AWOK. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.